Our mission, we're about helping people find and follow Jesus. So, and I say that every single week. So, like, maybe you're out on the town or you're in Blair's, uh, doing your grocery shopping, and someone says, you invite somebody to church. You say, hey, what's that church about? That church about helping people find and follow Jesus. So I say it all the time so you will remember it and be able to let people know. We're going to continue in our series through the Ten Commandments. I've been calling this Thou Shalt, the Ten Commandments. Again, I need a deeper, booming voice to really pull that off. But, but it's a little nod to the King James Version of the Bible. But if you would turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, where most of our time we spent in one verse, verse 12, in a sermon I've been call, I'm calling Honor Dad and Mom. So today we're, we're in the fifth commandment. You already know what this is going to be about. And as I was writing this message, I'm at my computer just typing fur, fur, furiously. I can see all the parents going into their kid's room early in the morning going, get up, get out of bed, you're coming to church today. No, Mom, I don't want to go. Too bad. <laughs> we are talking about one commandment that I really want my kids to know. And all the parents said... Thank you. We're going to do that a lot today, so if you could have those on ready, and I'll call for them, and we'll just get a little charismatic in here. It's going to be okay. Um, But you know what's coming, okay? So that's, we're talking about honoring your father and your mother. So with that, let's just jump right into the text, Exodus 20, verse 12, only the first half of the verse. It says, honor your father and your mother. Now, I hope you notice that God didn't put any fine print in there. There's no exception clause. Um, because there's some parents are not exceptionally great parents. And so then there's times when some of us are apt to try to put some fine print in there and say, well, I don't have to uh, really honor my parents because they weren't great parents. But God doesn't give us fine print. God doesn't give us an exception clause. We are to do this regardless of how good or how bad our parents might or may not have been. Okay? And I need to recognize and be honest here, because there are some people, they're basically raised by wolves their whole life, okay? There's some parents that are not terrific parents, and some parents really had no parents at all, and to that, you know what God would say to those of you, if that's your case? He would say, honor your father and your mother, okay? So we are to do this commandment no matter what, and for some of you, you're thinking, that's a difficult command for me. Pastor John, you don't know what it was like to grow up in my home. You don't know the type of abuse or how bad my parents were. And so I need to not minimize this in any way, shape, or form. But we are still commanded to to honor our parents no matter what. Now, now commandments one through four, okay, that's really talking about our relationship with God. Because we have a vertical relationship with God. And that's commandments one through four. And then we also have this horizontal relationship with other people. That's commandments five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And so we begin talking, well, at least God begins talking, about our horizontal relationships with other people. And do you know where he started? Yeah, he started about honoring father and mother, right? Do you think that's just a happy accident? God just haphazardly threw this together, and the first relationship he's going to talk about is our parents. And you would say, (laughs) yeah, he did not do that on accident. 
You know, think about it this way. In the Gospels, Jesus was asked a question. He said, they said, hey, they're trying to trick Jesus. They come up and say, hey, Jesus, what's the most important uh, commandment? Out of all the commandments in the Bible, what is the, the, the most important commandment? And Jesus says, number one is love God. And then he says, you know, number two is like it. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. That's how Jesus says it. The way that, that God said in the Old Testament, he begins about loving your neighbor by speaking about your parents. Now, again, I know there's some that just have anxiety. of just He's talking about my parents, and, and my parents weren't great parents. I don't want to honor them, but we're commanded to do this regardless. You know why? Because God's a loving father. And he only wants the very best for us. So he doesn't tell us to do anything that in the end isn't for our good. So let's read it again. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother. Right? So, so God began this. Did you notice? Who's the first person he commands us to honor? Dad. That's who we're supposed to. We're supposed to begin this honoring. He starts with Dad. I heard a story about a prison ministry. This church took it upon themselves to reach into the, the, the prison ministry and really try to touch the inmates' hearts. And so they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to provide Mother's Day cards for all the, all the prisoners. And so they got all these cards. I don't know how many cards, but I picture hundreds of cards. And so then when Mother's Day rolled around or just before, they, they had all these cards and envelopes and stamps, and they provided them free of charge for the inmates. And the inmates came out and they started getting cards. They got them from mom and grandma, their aunts, some influential woman in their life. And they all sent cards to their mom. And so this was such a huge success that the church said, you know what? Let's do it again on Father's Day. Let's, let's get cards for, for all the dads so all these inmates can send cards to dad. So they got the cards and they, they had them in this little holder so the, the inmates could choose what would be the best card to send to their dad. And when the day came, they opened shop and here's all these cards. And lo and behold, not one inmate came and got a single card. I mean, think about that. That really speaks to the impact that a dad can have on a, on a young boy or a young girl's life. Because none of the inmates want to send a card to their father. So this is what I want you to know, dads. You can hugely impact your, your child's life, either positively or negatively. You know, right next to dad, you know who we're commanded to honor in that passage? Mom. You're right. You know, there's certain cultures where the children are taught, you know, you better respect your dad, but mom isn't really taught to be honored nearly as much as dad. In fact, they're almost taught that mom's something altogether different. But for right here, right in God's word, he said that we are to respect and honor our father and our mother. So the issue comes down to honor. What does that word mean? Well, the word in the Hebrew is kavad. It's a hard word to say. Everything you say in uh, Hebrew, you've got to get that real guttural sound, kavad. I'm not good at it, but there's the best I can do. It means to esteem or cultivate the sense of weightiness. It means to esteem the office that your parents have by being your parents. And, you know, and when we fail to do this, it's really a heart issue. That's where it comes from. Because Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so when you constantly speak negatively about your parents, it's not just you keeping a rein on your tongue. It has to do with your heart. 
It really begins eternally and it manifests itself externally. This part that I'm talking about, about honoring your father and your mother. You know, very often a message like this, there'll be a single mom or maybe a single dad. They're not real hot on this message. Like, I don't want to talk about this today, Pastor John. Can you just skip over this? Because something that has happened in my life and I don't like to hear this. Now, I don't have time to go through all the different situations that causes either a single mom or a single dad to have to raise parents by, uh, excuse me, raise kids by themselves. But the issue is very real. But here's what I need to say, that the ideal family that God has set, that would be a father that is married and committed to a mother. And even in today's age, that sentence alone is controversial. How can that sentence be controversial? Well, it is. Because there's some that would call me narrow-minded for saying that. There were some that would say, Pastor John, you're a bigot for saying that. Listen, I didn't say it. That God's the one that said it. That his plan would be one man that is committed to one woman, and they would be there committed to each other and to him for till death do they part. Now, things happen to cause people to be widows or widowers, and divorce happens because of egregious sin. And that happens because we live in a fallen world. Sin has affected this world, has, has people die and people sin, and so bad things happen. But ideally, God has said that there would be one father married to one mother, and they would be there together not only at conception, but they'd be there until graduation. They would be there until the children are, are graduated and they have children of their own, and then those two parents be together to be grandparents for the generations to come. And some of you are thinking, what's in it for me? If I do that, what do I get out of that? And I think, you know, God kind of knew you were going to ask that question. God's like, I knew you were going to say that, so I went ahead and answered that question for you. Read the second half of verse 12. God says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So, So God tells us the reason we should do this, so you'll have a long life. Now, We don't fully experience that yet, do we? This is lived by faith. But this verse, think about this. What has happened just previous to this? Well, the people were slaves in Egypt for centuries. And then God frees the people from Pharaoh. They were slaves. God frees them through a man named Moses. And he says, hey, I'm taking you to the promised land. When this was written, they're not there yet, right? They're not in the promised land, but they have to live by faith. Have you noticed that's a lot of our life? We're given a lot of promises, and we don't experience it yet, but yet we have to live our life by faith. That's what the case with this promise. You know, Ephesians 6, Paul quotes this verse. He says, honor your father and your mother. And then he adds on this little phrase. He says, this commandment is the only commandment that comes with a promise. And that promise is that your days may be long in the land that your, father, that your Lord, your God's given to you. So who are we to honor? Both dad and mom. And why are we to do this? Because it's going to go better for us. That's why we're to do this, because your life will be better if you do this. Now, if you think about it, that's really true for all the commandments. You know, if we recognize there's only one God, it's going to, our life's going to go better. If we only worship one God, our life's going to go better. But God had to plainly tell us in this text, you need to honor your mom and dad because your life will go better. Your life will go longer. So here's a little interaction here between me and you. Who wants to have a long life? Okay, half of you, thanks. 
How about this? Who wants to have a better life? Okay, that's all of us. How about this? Who wants their kids to have a longer, better life? If you have any, yeah. How about this? Do you want your grandchildren to have longer and better lives? Yeah, I've seen lots of hands. Then you know what you need to do? You need to show them. You need to show them if they're going to have this. Now, I can tell my kids, they're up in the balcony right now, I can say, if you obey me, your life will be better. Yeah, I'm pointing at you. <laughs> and that's true. If they listen to me, that will happen. But, but you know what's true? I can't do the old, do as I say, not as I do. Because it doesn't work. That never works with raising kids. Now, it's true. If they listen to me, their life will go better and their life will be longer. But I want them to, to get all their information in this world from me. Not just their favorite YouTuber, their favorite Instagrammer, influence on TikTok. That's not what I want them. I want them to get their, 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 their worldview from me and from my wife. But, you know, how do we dishonor our parents? And some of you are thinking, well, they dishonored me, so I dishonor them. You know, since they did it to me, it just turns around and I just pay it forward. And some of you are thinking, well, in order to honor them, that's kind of like rooting for the bad guy in a movie, and I'm just not going to do it. But I need you to know to honor, that's a choice. We choose to honor or we choose to dishonor. Well, let me give you some, some ways that you can choose to honor. Here's the first way. Number one, give grace. Give grace. You know, sometimes parents are bad parents because they never had good parents of their own. Did you know that? The only reason, that's, or the main reason, that some people are just bad parents because their parents were bad parents. And they're just simply doing what they were taught. And so maybe that's your case. You know, your parents are, we just need to recognize they're fallen sinners and they're in need of grace. Well, maybe God's brought you to a place where you're the one that's going to extend it to them. Here's the second way, give forgiveness. Give forgiveness. Here's a hard truth. And some of you aren't going to like to hear this, but here you go. If you don't forgive your parents, you're going to end up to be just like them. I know, you heard the gas. Or, yeah, hopefully that alone. Okay, I'm going to forgive my parents. I don't want to become like my parents. Because why that happens is wherever you're looking at, that's where you're going to go. Do you remember back when you're learning how to drive? You're a 10 and 2. Remember that? Back when you used to drive that way because you're trying to learn. And you're driving down the road and you're focused on don't cross over the yellow line. Don't cross over the line. And inevitably you went, oh, and you have to yank it back. Why did you do that? Because that's where you're focusing. And if you focus on that, that's where you're going to go. And that's how it's going to be with our parents. If you're always looking at your mother, if you're always looking at your father, if you're always looking at your past, if you're always looking at your hurt, if you're always looking at their sin, that's exactly where you're going to go. And forgiveness is saying, you know what? I forgive you. Because I, I can choose to just harbor this anger and resentment and chew on the things that happened to me. Or I can say, you know what? I'm just going to let God handle that. I, I'm going I'm to give that to God because after all, I need forgiveness too. And you know, it's always so much easier to forgive somebody when you recognize your own need for forgiveness. Because we're all sinners. We all need to be forgiven. And so we all need to foster the sense of forgiveness. Do you know why so many families are dysfunctional? The reason why? Because they're not families that foster forgiveness. The, 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 
The temperature of your home can actually be changed if you're a family that fosters forgiveness. Here's the third way you can honor your parents is by giving honor. Maybe you're thinking, that's kind of circular reasoning. I need to give honor, so I give honor. Well, let me tell you, sometimes if you don't have anything nice to say, what would mom say? You were there. Okay, you were right. Yeah, don't say anything at all if you don't have anything nice to say. And sometimes that's what some of us need to do with our parents. Or maybe if there's something that needs to be said, well, it needs to be said publicly and never privately. Okay? Or for some of us, some of us, we just need to honor the office of our parents. Kind of like this. In the military, there's different ranks. And sometimes there's an officer that's not all that honorable. But the, 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 the people underneath them, they'll still salute the, the office, right? They'll still salute the uniform. Well, that's what some of us need to do with our parents. Let me give you another way. Number four, give an example. Give an example. Because let me tell you this. If you're a parent that doesn't honor your parents, then what you're doing is you're going to raise your children to not honor you. Do you understand that? Because a lot of times the Bible talks about this reaping and sowing. And that's what we're talking about here. If you're, reap, if you're sowing dishonor with your parents, then you're going you're gonna to reap dishonor with your children. Now you're thinking, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just talking about my parents. I'm just venting. That's all I'm doing. Well, that, what you're doing is you're teaching your kids to do the same thing about you. We should be teaching our children to honor rather than to dishonor. Here's one more way. Last, lastly, give thanks. We just need to give thanks. If there's anything in the world that you can thank your parents for, go ahead and thank them. And I understand that there's some people that really have absolutely nothing good to say about their parents. I think the vast majority of us can think of something. Well, whatever you can think of, then go ahead and thank them. You know, I have both of my parents who are still on this earth. But last, three years ago, I lost my last surviving grandparent. It was my dad's dad. And I love my dad's dad, my grandpa. He, he practically raised me when I was a little kid. And I remember there was a day I was over at the Washkie campus, and my, my truck was in a shop right over here. And so they called me and said, hey, your truck's ready. I'm like, I'm just, I'll just walk over there and get it. So I'm walking through the neighborhoods, and I'm just scrolling through social media. And somebody posted a meme, and the meme was just a picture of a cell phone. And the caption said, who's one person you'd love to call, but you can't? I thought, I'd love to talk to my grandpa right now, but I can't. I'll never talk to him on this earth again because he's not here. You see, there will come a day when none of us can say thank you to our parents, regardless of how good or how bad they are. Even if they're just mediocre parents, we'll call them up and say thank you for being mediocre parents. (laughs) Because if you don't, when they're gone, it's going to hurt. So say thank you before it's too late. I need to take a little detour in this sermon. I, I've thought of this when I was writing this message, but I need to say thank you to a good friend of mine. And if you see this, Pastor Ty Barksdale, I just want to say thank you. When we left California to come to Wyoming, my grandfather wasn't doing well. His, his health was failing. And so the night before I loaded up the truck and we, we drove, we all went out to dinner. And that's the last time I saw my grandfather alive. Fast forward three months and he was passing away. It was, it was coming fast. I got the phone call and said, John, your, your grandpa is going to die soon. And I was pretty sure I couldn't jump on a plane. I couldn't get there in time. So I called my friend Ty. I said, Ty, can you help me out? 
And he just dropped what he was doing. And he drove to the room my grandfather was in, and he tried to FaceTime me. And, and I got to FaceTime my grandfather just moments before he passed away. And I didn't have a great conversation with my, because he didn't know what was going on. It was the very end. But let me tell you how much it means to me. my friend would be there for me in that time and he would give me that opportunity to try just try to tell my grandpa I love you and thank you for raising me and you know what I think this just proves how much we need to say thank you because if you don't it's going to hurt real bad when you don't have the opportunity to ever say thank you again so how how do we honor our father and mother well let's talk about this how many of you would agree Maybe you've got the kids that are in the teenage years. You would say raising teenagers can be complicated. Amen. Yeah, here they go. This is where we need the amens, at least I do. There are some of you, you don't have teenagers. You've got small kids. Let me tell you, the teenage years are coming. Okay? And there are some of you that have graduated from the teenage years. And you're all, yeah, teenage years are complicated. You would say, yes, this issue of honoring your father and mother, it is a huge deal. So i got a verse for you. My kid's up in the balcony. Here you go. You ready for a verse? All right, write this one down. Here you go. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, beginning in verse 18. This is what the Word of God says. It says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son or daughter, uh, and who will not obey the voice of his father or his mother, and though they discipline him, they will not listen to them, Then his father and his mother shall take a hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city gates, to the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city that our son is stubborn or rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. Not stone, but stones, rocks in the head, right? So you shall purge the the evil from your midst, and all the Israel shall hear and fear. You know, there's some teenagers that think, well, it's not a real big deal. So what? I dishonor my parents. It's really not that big of a deal. Well, it's such a big deal to God that God go ahead and he hangs the death penalty for, for kids that do this. You're thinking, isn't that kind of harsh? Isn't it kind of harsh to bring on the death penalty to someone who won't honor their parents? The reason why is because there's a generational effect that happens here. Because if you are a teenager that's exceedingly disrespectful, then what's going to happen is that teenager will soon become an adult that's disrespectful. And, and then that, that disrespectful adult, they're going to have children. And then they're going to teach those children to continue this disrespect. And then that disrespectful child will become a disrespectful teenager. And then a few short years, they're going to be a disrespectful adult. And then the cycle's going to begin all over again. And then it only takes a few short generations or two until the norm is that everybody's just an out-of-control bunch of adults that don't care about anything other than their self-disrespectful selves. And then what we have is we have an entire society of disrespectful people. Can anybody imagine this ever happening? Yeah, because I think we're there. We're living it right now, right? Now, be fair. I don't think what God's talking about is the eye rolling from the kids. But I'm sure every parent thought about the death penalty. I think we need to bring that one back. Yeah, for the (laughs) he's talking about exceedingly rebellious kids here. But God takes this rebellion, this dishonor to their against parents, as a very serious sin. 
So here, here's the deal. We live in a day when we're told children aren't sinners. No, they're not. Children are basically good. We don't need to raise them. We just need to let them raise themselves. Here's what I'll say to that. You know it's easier to grow weeds than it is to grow fruit? Yeah. You know, my wife and I, we have a garden out at our house, and we grow some of the most amazing weeds in all of Wyoming. Last year, we didn't get zucchini to grow. And you're thinking, everybody gets zucchini to grow. Not us. We couldn't even get zucchini to grow. You know why? We had some friends of ours come over and dump a huge truckload of manure. And we got, the soil's way too hot. It's way too hot to grow anything other than weeds. Why? Because we got the nutrients out of whack. The nutrients are out of whack, and now it's going to take a long time to get it back. To the parents that parent with that philosophy, well, just let them be whoever they want to be. What you need to know is that children have a natural proclivity to sin. The soil of children's hearts is, is just right. You can't just let it go. It has to be watched very closely because pretty soon you're not going to grow anything but weeds or a functionally healthy adult, whatever you're trying to shoot for. You see, what you want to cultivate is this heart of righteousness in your child. What we need is they need a new nature. They need repentance. They need instruction. They need discipline. They need correction. That's what they need. And any parent that does not correct their child, do you know what the Bible says? It says that parent hates that child. Any parent that does not correct and discipline their child, the Bible says they hate that child because that's not loving. That's actually hate. And the Bible says it's not going to go long. It's not going to go well if you don't discipline and correct your children. Years ago, my wife and I, we were at a parenting con- con- conference, and this is what the speaker, this illustration he used, it was his, so I'm just going to go ahead and steal it. But he said, raising a kid is a lot like raising a puppy. They go, oh, that's kind of harsh. But when you get a puppy, the first thing you do, you put him in a little bitty box, and that is the puppy's world. And as that puppy grows, you have to constantly be increasing the size of that box. Until eventually you want to open the back door and you let that, that now small dog run in the backyard. But you know what you still do? You call him in at night. And you make him come at home at night. And eventually your goal is to have a dog with no fences. A dog with no fence that knows where its home is and is perfectly safe to come. And, and you can just leave that dog at home because it knows where the porch is. And it's an, a mature dog and it can be trusted. Too many parents, they... they they treat the child like that puppy their entire life, and they keep it in a little tiny box. Or they treat that puppy like an adult dog with no fences at all. And then they wonder why that dog went on the highway and got hurt or even get killed. We have to raise our children appropriately. And by appropriately, I mean the way they need to be parented in the stage of life they're in at that moment. And here's why that is really hard. It's always changing. It's constantly changing. It's exhausting. I'm just tired. I don't want a parent anymore because what worked today doesn't work tomorrow. What doesn't work tomorrow won't work two days from now. And it's just exhausting. And some people wonder why parents just stop parenting. And then what happens is then you raise little terrorists. Parenting during the teenage years, this is what it looks like. Respect. It looks a lot like respect. Because here's something we need to recognize, that teenagers, they have their own ideas. 
right, in the, in the balcony? Yeah. And sometimes those ideas don't, don't line up with the parents' ideas. But you know what you have to do? You have to respect your parents even when your ideas don't match up with your parents' ideas. Because here's the deal. The teenager's not a child, but at the same time, they're not adults. And so teenagers don't get to make adult decisions. When they're adults, then you get to make adult decisions. You know why? Because there's adult consequences that come from those adult decisions. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go ahead and you make the adult decision not to go to bed until wee hours in the morning, and then you're not able to get up and go to work and make it to work when your employer requires you. Well, the adult consequence from your adult decision is you're no longer employed. And when you're no longer employed, that means you no longer receive a check. And when you no longer receive a check, that means you're not going to have any money to pay for the heat in the middle of the winter. The adult consequence means you're not going to have any money for food when you're hungry. Okay? No adult decisions until you're adult enough to live with the adult consequences from those decisions. Now to the parents to just let their teenagers make their own adult decisions, then guess what? You're about to reap what you sow. Get ready to be changing your adult child's diapers when you haven't raised them to become adults. And eventually, what would eventually happen is that there's going to be no one there to take care of you when you're old. You know why? Because your child can't even take care of themselves, let alone you. But yet today, we have so many that think it's the government's job to raise our parents. But the Bible says that's our role. It is our role to care for our parents, particularly the parents that cared for us. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that Social Security and or retirement home is sinful. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, the children need to own the responsibility to love and care for their parents at an old age. You know, we live in a day and an age where, really, children aren't raised by their grandparents anymore. And I thought, I think we're kind of losing something um, as a generation. We're losing something very precious because we're not, a lot of times, kids aren't around their grandparents. And so what we've lost is this generational legacy where one generation teaches the one before and even the one before that. And so what's lost is something that's really important to God as a whole. And so what we need to do, we need to take this commandment very seriously. We need to honor our father and our mother. You know why? Because society as a whole is at stake. That's what is at stake if we ignore this commandment. And maybe you're thinking, Pastor John, you're taking this a little serious. I don't think God is really that serious about this. But let me ask you this. Do you think it's an accident that God put honor your father and your mother before he put do not murder? In case you already know your Bible, the fifth commandment is is honor your father and your mother. Well, last I checked, five comes before six. And next week, what we're going to be talking about is do do not murder. Is that just a happy accident, or do you think God did it on purpose? I, yeah, I think it is so serious that it actually has the potential to devastate a culture if that culture doesn't take this commandment seriously. Now, what we're talking about, this honor our father and our mother, how do we do this? How about this? Do you think maybe if we parented more honorably that we might reap what we sow? If parents honorably, uh, parented honorably, do you think they could help out in this situation? Let's talk about that. 
Let me talk about some things that maybe help you to, to parent more honorably. Here's the first thing you need to know. Number one, your child is a blessing. Your child is a blessing, and there's probably some that are getting ready for, for church today. I'm like, didn't feel like a blessing, right? Yeah, that's what some of you are thinking. Well, let me tell, share with you in the Bible where the Bible says they're a blessing. Psalms 127, verse 3. The Word of God says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Some of you are thinking, fruit of the womb? More like fruit of the loom. Thank you. I got a little more giggles out of the second. The first one, that was completely deaf ears. I'm like, I thought that was hilarious. Anyways, write that down, fruit of the loom. The kids are like, I don't get it. YouTube it. But anyways, <laughs> parents that, that honor... The parent honorably, that, that cultivate honor in their children, it starts with thinking biblically about children. The children are a blessing. You know, there's a lot of married couples today that choose not to have kids. Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about parents that can't have kids, that want kids, and for some reason can't have kids. That's not the ones I'm talking about. There's some that choose not to have kids because they see kids as a burden. The Bible says the children are a blessing. I want you to know children are a blessing if they're parented correctly. It might not seem like a blessing now, but here's what, there's going to come a day, a day in the future, where they're a blessing, and we have to live that by faith, parents. If we parent them correctly, they'll be a blessing someday in the future. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Your child is your responsibility. Read Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, usually Christians remember Ephesians 6, 4. That they just remember that do not provoke your children to anger. And that's true, but that's only half the verse. I think Christians do with Ephesians 6, 4 like we do with the Ten Commandments. We remember the negative and we have amnesia about the positive. Okay, We are told to bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. You know what that means? It means exactly what you think it means. It means discipline them in the Lord. To teach them His way in the way He said to. You know, your goal as a parent is not just to raise a kid that is moral, but we're to raise worshipers. Not just a kid that does the right thing, but a kid that has a new heart. That's the goal. It's not just a kid that's outwardly compliant, but a kid that inwardly loves Jesus. And this is incredibly important because often for the sake of their own comfort and convenience, parents tend to just want to have a moral child. And they want that just to reduce the conflict and chaos so they can have an easier life. But that's not the goal. If that's your goal as a parent, then you're missing the boat. Okay, We need to raise kids that love Jesus. And here's what you need to know. That child is your responsibility. You're the first one to tell them about Jesus. You're their first pastor. You've got to raise them in the Lord. You know, you can bring your kids to church every, every time we have these doors open. You know what? And we'll raise your kid about six hours per week. Guess whose job is it the other 162 hours a week? It's your job. Now, the church is vital for raising kids, but it is woefully inadequate to be the end-all, be-all if parents are not willing to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Here's the truth. This is a hard truth. 
Dads, your sons are going to grow up to be just like you. Did that one sting a little? If that one didn't sting, let me give you one that's going to hurt even worse. Here's one that's even worse than that one. Dads, your daughters are going to marry a man just like you. I'm not even talking theology here. I'm just talking practicality. Nine times out of ten, little boys grow up to be just like their dads. And little girls marry men just like their dads. So if you want your sons to love Jesus and to reflect his goodness and his grace, then be a dad that teaches his son that by being that kind of dad. And dad, do you want your daughters to marry a man that is life-giving and loving? Then be a man like that. Be a dad that shows her what that looks like so she'll seek that out in the man she's going to marry. You know, here's an, another one I want to give you. Hey, um, we don't have our daughters on our marrying age or even dating age, but when it happens, you don't know this, but here, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, whoever that guy is, I'm going to find out how he treats his mom. You know why? Because a man, how he treats his mom will reflect how he will treat his future wife. And any man that doesn't respect his mom, can't date my daughter, go somewhere else. Not going to happen. When the dating years come, we just can't say, well, I've got a shotgun and this better be done right. Now, just be clear, I'm very (laughs) pro-shotgun. Yeah, I've got one. I've got several. And they're loaded and they work. (laughs) But instead of only doing that, you know what we need to do? We need to love our daughters and show them what what a man of God looks like and how he behaves himself. And you know what the number two way to do this? Number one way, love Jesus more than anything else. Here's number two, love their mom. Love their mom. That is how you can show your children what what a person of God looks like so that we love and cherish and honor the the mother of our children. And if you can do that and only that, you're a long ways down the road to raising them to know Jesus if you just love their mom. Here's the third thing I want you to know. Number three, your child's watching you. Did you know that your child's watching you? Your child is like a little inmate. And all they do 24-7 is they study you and they watch you. And what they're doing is they're looking for weakness. Now let me tell you, I, I've done a lot of counseling as, as a pastor. And a lot of times, divorce couples, there's just a built-in weakness there. That's, that's why God's saying, like, that's the last resort because those little inmates are watching you and there's a weakness if there's a divorce. And what's going to happen? They're going to exploit it. Just like an inmate would a prison guard. They shouldn't get to choose. We don't let them choose who they're going to worship. We, we, do, we don't let them do that. Listen, let me give you a verse about this. Go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. This is what Joshua says. He's talking to the the people of Israel. Specifically, he's speaking to the men. And Joshua says this. He says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the God of the Amorites whose land you dwell. But for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me tell you what Joshua is saying here. He's saying, hey, remember what, back when we were in Egypt? We were in Egypt and we were serving all those different gods. There was, there was Ra, the sun god, and there was a rat god, and there was a, a, a cockroach god. There's all these different gods. If you want to worship those clowns, go ahead. But for me, my family, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Did you notice that Joshua didn't let his kids vote? You see, when the kids start voting and making decisions, who the family's going to worship, the family's ruined. And then a a generation or two later, the, the culture's devastated. That's exactly how this works. How many of you, growing up, when you got up on Sunday, there was no vote? Vicky, did you ever get to vote? No. Dee and Frankie's like, get in the car, you're going to church. Well, God bless your parents. And any other parents that raise you like that, because that's the way it's supposed to go. Because here's what you need to know. Kids make really bad decisions. They really do. Okay? And so we don't let them make decisions, life-changing decisions. Why would we do that when we don't do that when it comes to brushing their teeth? Hey, do you want to brush your teeth today? Oh, no. Well, I guess we'll have to check again tomorrow. No! Twice a day, every day. Did you brush your teeth? No. Then go brush your teeth. We don't do that when it goes to going to school, do we? Hey, do you want to go to school? No. Well, I guess you get to sit on the couch and play video games. No! Get on that bus. You're going whether you want to or not. You know, the second most important decision that a person will ever make is who, who will they marry? And the single most important decision they'll ever make is who is their God? And so many parents, they focus on the second one, but they don't put focus on the single most important one. Here's the deal. I think both are really important. And I'm going to do everything I can with, with my kids with both of those decisions. You know why? Because both of those decisions will greatly impact the lives of my grandchildren in the future. Oh, that's heavy, Right? You know, we, meaning my wife and I, we do everything we can to try to point our kids to Jesus, but in the end, we can't do it for them. They have to make the decision on their own. But there's some things when they're young, they just don't get to choose. And so, parents, if it came to your kids, if I could make your kids, I, I would, but I can't. This has to come from you. Parents, there, there isn't a better teacher to point your kids to Jesus than you so be the, be the example, because your kids are watching. Because if you become a follower of Christ and just sold out for Jesus, then chances are your kids will do the same. Here's what I need you to know. I need you to know that you're a sinner. That you're a sinner. Every single one of us has, have woefully fallen short of the glory of God. That's what God said. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says that the wage of sin, what we earn for being sinners, is death, separation from God. And here's what's even worse. There's nothing we can do about it. No amount of being religious or or good deeds will ever undo the filth of our sin of our path. Isaiah said that all of our righteousness is like a filthy rag to God. I mean, picture this. How many big, giant piles of filthy rags do I have to bring to God to undo my sins? It's never going to be good enough. I can never undo the sin of my past. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus entered into humanity. We call it Christmas. He came as a baby born to this peasant couple, but his eyes were fixed on the cross the whole time. And then Jesus, when he allowed evil men to take him and nail him to a cross, and there he gave his spirit. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because you're a sinner. The Bible says that whoever will call in the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And we're not forgiven because we're good, because we're not. We can be forgiven because Jesus is good and that he paid the, the, the penalty for our sins. That if you call on him, he will save you. 
So if you've never called in the name of Jesus to save you, I'd tell you do it now. If you're in your, at your home on your couch watching this, call on Jesus. Say something along the lines of, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And I pray this in his holy, precious name. Amen.